0: And now it's time for the show, This Old Dungeon. Good evening, Dungeoneers. This is Luau Lu with another one shot episode of This Old Dungeon. One shot do you know what that means? That means I have found creators, I have found living human beings with ideas, dreams, and abilities out there making the RPG world great tonight. We have two uh, gentlemen that have have earned their way into the the creative sphere here by working for years now, uh, putting things out for other companies uh, uh, or or, or having other companies come on their program, depending on which one we're talking about.
1: We have Ryan Howard and uh, we have the wonky himself. Thank you for having us. You honor us by having us here. Thank you so much for giving us the time. You know, we really appreciate it. Thank Absolutely. You.
2: It's it's been a little while since the last time I was on here.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, I, I like these one shot episodes because we can get in, we can we can, you know, get right to the point and, uh, and, and be able to drop an episode that, that might be able to, you know, help people find something they're going to love uh, like your guys's adventures here. But uh, but the bad thing is we don't get to talk about old adventures and get get into the fun part of uh, just sitting around, you know, doing doing some gaming talk, uh, you know, doing some reminiscing
1: and all that. <laughs> so um
0: definitely have to have you back on the regular show and keelan will have to have
2: you on the show here
1: i'd love that oh i could talk all day about old dungeons heck yeah it's,
2: it's a blast let me tell you like it, it, keelan seriously it was one of the most interesting shows that i ever did and apparently
1: <laughs> i imagine uh,
2: apparently i overprepared for it if i'm remembering <laughs> correctly because like on my episode uh we were talking about dark sun and my interpretation of preparing for the show was apparently just creating a DCC module for Dark Sun.
0: <laughs>
1: complete
2: <laughs> with, like, the, this is the entire table that you roll on for your profession. The, here's an entire Thrycreen class for DCC. Yeah, like oh, totally re set,
0: setting uh, DCC. <laughs> We're like, oh, oh wow. No, we had some general ideas, but...
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, if cool. there's any setting that's worth it, I mean, Dark Sun's right up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, Keelan, do you have a particular uh, old module, old... Uh... Yes. Most definitely. So uh, this harkens back to what really got me into the old school scene is when uh, Goodman Games released the first reprint or whatever combined version of B1 and B2, Keep on the Borderlands and casketon um, Quasquaton, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, I have probably read those adventures combined over a hundred times. Oh, I've wow. studied them so litigiously. It is my greatest inspiration in gaming. I could rerun... Just different reskins of those two adventures for the rest of my life. Be perfectly happy with it, and my players would never know the difference. <laughs> they have everything I want out of the game, realistically. <laughs> they
0: are a classic for a reason, and that's that's one of them. Is it just
1: kind of provides that nice, you know,
0: you know, full set meal there of everything you want for a game.
1: Right. And I've used it as the template for how I plan on writing out all of my adventures in the future. You know, if I'm just doing a bigger dungeon, boom, B1, you know, B2 for outdoor exploration and everything of that nature. It just, uh, it gives you such a good foundation to work outwards from as far as how to present the information in an efficient manner.
0: True that. Yeah. So guys, you've got a, a pretty, uh, big, uh, undertaking you've you've committed to you you, you've kind of you know slit the palms and and did the blood brother thing and and you're you're going in and guts and glory right exactly so
1: you nailed it
0: (laughs) so this is a publishing company right correct yes it is okay and and is there uh, are there any walls to this scope is it like just rpg material or i mean like what's out there on the table right now as you guys you know venture forth
1: as of right now adventure material is pretty much the only thing i'm interested in producing myself ryan is doing a little bit of some extra with his rakes codex i'm sure we can talk about that in a little bit here um but as of right now i don't foresee going outside of not even just uh probably just adventures and things of that nature game supplements um i don't see Mm -hmm. any rule books in the near future i don't see a lot of you know fan fiction or that kind of thing coming out of us. <laughs> this is uh when we were talking about it early on what we really wanted to create more than just a company, more than a cool brand for people to get behind is this grassroots movement of kind of pushing old school back to the forefront and taking just modern iterations without the preconceived notions and boundaries that have been put upon it over the ages. And so I think the mentality we're kind of coming at it with is dojo of dungeon design. <laughs>
2: um... <laughs> <laughs> nice and and one of the biggest things for me uh kind of speaking to what uh keelan said about the the movement aspect of guts and glory this past year at north texas um it was kind of eye opening for me personally just walking around and seeing all of these uh you know people who have been carrying this torch of traditional gaming old school gaming whatever you want to call it for so long um and and just kind of seeing the toll that it has taken on them not being able to pass it on to anyone because there hasn't been anyone kind of you know raising their hand from the next generation going yeah we'll take it you know we're, (laughs) we're gonna run with the ball now and so that's what Keelan and I are trying to do here is we want to present that opportunity where you know you guys don't have to continuously rely on yourselves to keep this tradition of role playing and and you know role playing in the the way that you were always intended to role play the way that guy gax wanted you to role play we are keeping <laughs> we're we're going to keep that alive and we're going to carry it forward for for the next generation and the generation after that um and that's kind of what we want to present is, yes, this is familiar, this is traditional, but it's also taking on this air of the new and this kind of next wave of traditionalists that is going to uh, keep this keep this ball moving.
1: Exactly. Like the game is a beautiful foundation. Those old school games are uh, exactly what I've been looking for all of my life. But I wasn't there during the 80s. I just wasn't born yet. So I really can't continue on that nostalgia factor. But what we can do is continue on the legacy of a kick-ass game system and you know all of the the ethos of dungeons that go into that and everything else. You know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's amazing as a as an old dude. Uh, you know, looking at you guys and looking at like you know Ben Barsh and um oh uh, yeah these terrible <laughs> names like Kelsey of uh, Shadow Dark uh, Kelsey Dion mm-hmm. yep. yes uh you know b- because I feel like you know up until recently I really haven't seen anyone uh of, of your guys' generation really interested in the old style of play or at least the the aesthetics that were there as far as character expectations challenge expectations, um, styles of play that you could, you know, bring to the table within that. It, it, it there became a very vanilla, um, almost a, a, like a grandiose kind of feel to, to, to fourth edition, fifth edition and, and so forth, but, you know, other game systems that are more modern. Um, Absolutely. So mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's just fascinating to, to, to see someone in your guys' position kind of, Take a left turn here and, and, and go back and, and rediscover some of this stuff and, and bring it back and, and, and present it in, in, a, in a newer uh, flourish. Um, Very well spoken. What when did you guys kind of come to know each other and realize that, oh, you're, you're on this same voyage or, 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 you know, oriented towards the same star? I mean, what's how did that happen?
1: North Texas RPG Con does wonders, I swear. Yeah. It was last NTX, uh, we got met up at the bar, I think, or somewhere around that area, just, you know, hanging out in the hall, something like that, and we had a beautiful discussion about our love, a mutual love of black powder era fantasy. Because that's really, you know, my favorite thing is like the mountain men and that kind of thing. I love pirates. He's over there with his Lanschnecks and, you know, everything else in the pike and shot <laughs> world, and you know, it, it's just an abuse Beautiful amalgamation of minds because we actually come at this from very different angles at a lot of levels, but it's just mutual destination of what we're trying to do with this <laughs> mm. and a rejection of uh, modern fantasy, I think is kind of one of the primary baseline foundations of what we build guts and glory out of is we like that old stuff. I want my Solomon Kane. I want my Conan, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't need my Avengers style D and D <laughs> and everything else in the world. <laughs> mm.
2: Yeah. W- one of the big things that we kind of first bonded over with Solomon Kane, I think, like deeply yeah just the i i think i mentioned it in passing and keelan immediately was like did you just casually drop solomon kane we're not going to breeze past that you're you're going to like we're going to talk about <laughs> solomon kane now
1: right like the only other person i know of my rough age range that even knows that name hello hello <laughs> can we be friends i think <laughs> is pretty much how it played out <laughs> basically <laughs> nice
0: um so that you know you meet you realize you have you know some some similar interests similar styles where does the conversation come in that hey you know I was thinking of making a
2: game you're thinking of making a game let's 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 do a publishing company so I in the in the kind of midst of that conversation I gave Keelan the rundown on Night Haven and you know he he seemed to to like the idea at that point I was still thinking I'm going to release this independently and I will use Keelan as a freelancer and, you know, maybe like give him a majority of the the work here because he's so excited about it. Then at some point after that, I had Keelan on rolling bones for the first time and we had a conversation that, um, really struck a chord with a, uh, a little known figure who some of you out there may have heard of by the name of a uh, Jim Wampler and uh,
1: old wizard Wampler. <laughs> he,
2: he pulled both of us into a, a zoom call and said, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know how this is going to like essentially come together, but you guys are talking about the future of role-playing and you need to be doing something to that effect together. I don't know what it is, but you guys need to be working together. And if I can help you in any way, I will do so. And that was kind of the, the catalyst of us discussing this partnership that we have was Jim kind of pulling us aside together and saying, What I heard last night was you guys talking about the future. Now go decide what that future is and build it for us.
1: And it really was that push of momentum that he gave, because, you know, I had been hesitating on the sidelines of creating my own material for years at that point in time. I had several notebooks filled with potential adventures and, you know, random scraps of ideas and that kind of thing. And finally, with a buddy at my side, it's like, oh, this is possible. And so we had two (laughs) world settings, you know, my Bella Follow and his Nighthaven. Um, They're not in the same universe canonically necessarily but there's so much overlap in the themes the feel the vibe that we're kind of shooting for that it's like hey we're kind of sharing the same market space anyway for what people might want to be looking for our projects let's do a a superstar double thing and it kind of just evolved from there as this uh a weird characterization has come out of it and a big future game plan of releases between the few of us here.
0: <laughs> so, so guys, this,
1: this is not your
0: first project that you're coming out with. Cause you guys have already released Oh, night divine, which was the like Christmas adventure, just as Christmas, helping to fund uh, some, some relief monies for the, uh, um, for, uh, uh, <laughs> for Ben, but um, for, for the, the, the situation with Ben shields. Um, was was that kind of something that had already been in the works before you guys? You know, like, or is that? I mean, did you hit the ground running? I mean, that just seemed like Kinda. one week I was hearing you guys are going to be doing something together. And
1: next week, I, I get an email saying, "Hey, this is going to go to uh, up on drive-through." <laughs> you're not too far off that's kind of what Mm -hmm. it felt like uh we like to kind of phrase that as our test flight of are we compatible as partners and you know ryan had never like written a finished adventure at that point in time and uh i initially planned on producing my adventure hhh at that point also but quickly got scrapped due to you know we were running with like a two-month time frame to get our first adventure out Mm -hmm. we didn't have any editing or layout or anything of that nature under wraps and yeah. Ryan, why don't you take the take candle on this? See where you go.
2: Yeah. So um, our original idea was uh, the adventure that's coming out with Guts and Glory volume one, His Heinous Harvest was going to be it, it was going to be another double release. We were going to uh, we we're going to do Night Divine and His Heinous Harvest together together. Um, the the title that I originally came up with for that uh, combination was Seasons Bleedings, <laughs> and uh, but what it came down to was again like th- this was still us getting a feel for working with each other creatively, and uh, Keelan wanted to take more time to really fine tune and perfect his heinous harvest, which it's it's gonna it's gonna be mind blowing when you guys get your get your hands on it like that his adventure really is something special. But at the same time, I had this uh, kind of crazy, weird idea that was like Highlander meets the Santa Claus, where <laughs> this like Santa Claus figure had crash-landed in this uh, city setting of Nighthaven of mine. And we decided to to put out Onight Divine by itself as a free adventure, um, and then right as we were putting the finishing touches on it, right as the holiday season was wrapping up, that's when we got the news that um, the, the, the Shields family had had that tragedy. And so what was originally going to be a free product, just to let people know that we're working together, here's kind of a rough estimate of, of what we can do, Here, here's a, uh, a look at things to come we decided to make it pay what you want and, and use those proceeds to help out a member of the community who you know, we, we love dearly. I mean, that, that same North Texas where Keelan and I met, I have a uh, very, very fond memories of, uh, drinking a little too much and, and having a very intense conversation with James about our faith. So, uh, yeah. that very much came together at the last minute in in that form and um it's uh it, it, it was it was one thing just to you know have something out there but now now that the uh basically the 30 days on uh the the money on drive-through has uh come up so that we can actually give that money to the campaign uh, that that uh Gary launched it now it's work that's benefiting someone other than us, and yeah, you know, at, at the end of the day, that's you know the the spirit of Christmas in in my yeah. mind. So yeah, how, how on, on, on
0: every way that this connects together, you know the yeah you know. indeed. So I mean, I I don't know about everyone else, but for my my own self, uh, I mean, it's to me it was a success. I mean, were you guys happy with with uh, how that came out? I mean, I, I thought it was a wonderful holiday adventure. I you know you know, the, you. typically Halloween you. And, and Christmas dungeon masters want to throw something on the table to kind of get in the season. And, and you know, for me, that's, that's my next Christmas one right there. <laughs>
1: perfect I'm glad to hear it I yeah I, I mean always there's room for improvement in all things but considering the parameters that we had set for ourselves I think we did magnificent we didn't meet our initial deadline of Christmas day you know it was a couple days late um, there was a lot of long stressful nights but I mean that's just part of the process mm-hmm. so the way I'd like to call it is a uh, pleased but not satisfied
0: <laughs> get used to that I'm sure you know as an artist you probably already have but but uh, man, I tell you, as a publisher, it's you, everything you send out. You're like, but I could have done it just a little better. Just It if never just goes away.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's endless. <laughs> yeah. How does this team work? I mean, you, you both have, you know, a multitude of skills. Um, it, but you're also kind of producing your own, your own products that are being merged together. How does it, I mean... It, does anybody have editorial control or is it kind of like, no, we we work as a, as a partnership. And if we don't agree, then we just do something different. I mean, I mean, this, this is a special thing here. How, how, yeah. The
1: easiest way to think about it, I think, is that we each have complete control over our own properties. Bella follows mine. He doesn't get to touch it without my consent and vice versa. I don't want to mm-hmm. play around with Haven unless, you know, he gives me a spot to do so or something of that nature. Um, with that, I am the primary and I think sole illustrator at this point in time, though we have gotten some maps from Ian McGarty, Kick-ass. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> dude's great. Um but with that, I am writing and illustrating my own material. He is writing his own material and getting some help with illustrating. Um, and then with O Night Divine, Ryan performed a real Christmas miracle in that he learned to do layout on the fly in a week <laughs> um, with the wrong programs. He was doing it in what was it like Photoshop or something? I was doing
2: it in Canva.
1: <laughs> yeah. Jeez, oh, Louise. Um, and so. With that Ryan has taken on role of uh, layout as well as he's going to be learning that so we're trying to keep as much as we can in house, Uh, we still need to talk about editing and that kind of a thing because we're not totally settled on someone yet or how we're going to go about that. but yeah, so it's kind of just. I like to think about it like we're forming a little band here, and like you know he he's playing his drums, I'm playing my bass guitar or whatever you want to call it, and you know we're we're just jamming together. So you know we're sharing an album in guts and glory, but we each have our own individual tracks there on it. <laughs>
0: nice.
1: And we're slowly going to expand each of our world settings with each issue we do, which is hopefully uh, annual installments, kind of shooting for around North Texas timeline.
0: Nice. Um, I mean, obviously, being in house, you 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 can kind of you're putting in labor versus uh, monetary equity, but at some point, there is going to have to be decisions made. You know, prints ordered from the printer, that kind of thing. How are you dealing with that as far as budgeting or, or, or coming up with a budget in general?
1: A lot of weekly discussions.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> a lot of uh compromising back and forth. Um, I like to take on UDA, the observe, orient, determine, act, and so you know if we're going in a wrong direction, quickly reassess as you know best possible, and just we know where we're going as far as an end goal, so it's very easy to readjust and course correct throughout. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so with that, you know, uh, he's a lot better with money and techno gizmos and that kind of thing. And so that's uh, that kind of solves itself. You know, I feel like we naturally complement each other in a very yin yang way in Mm -hmm. that, you know, I can draw and not do math.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And Logistically, what it comes down to is I live in a major metropolitan area and uh, Keelan lives on a remote island. So (laughs) when it comes to (laughs) shipping and things like that, I I take on a lot of that because it's, it's cheaper for both of us. And Keelan has taken on so much just doing not only his artwork, but my artwork as well. And so, a lot of times, one of the anxieties that I have about this partnership is: Am I doing enough to hold up my end? And so, I, I try as best I can to to take on things like that, to take on things like layout, and to, I, I guess, my ultimate aspiration is is to become the uh, the Zach Glazer of guts and glory. <laughs>
1: it's a very valuable role for any successful company is to have at least someone that knows what they're doing as far as that kind of a thing because like you know i'm a whimsical oddball of a character i'm off smelling the roses while well, he's like keelan you know this is approaching <laughs> like oh okay <laughs>
0: sounds like you guys really do have that uh that the yin yang thing going That's right. We
1: of are going to be the Ren and Stimpy of the RPG scene. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's a reference. <laughs> like it. Um, one w- one of the big decisions you guys have already made is is you've you've decided to uh, make this product compatible with your favorite D20 system. Now. Um, a lot of people will tell you, Oh no, you, you want to be in the OSE camp or you want to be in the DCC camp, you know, you're going to alienate some purchases or some avenues for advertising. And, um, but then there's many very successful people that are exactly where you guys are and saying, no, I make a product that can be used across a multitude of games because it, it sticks with that, that same DNA that, that it all came from to begin with, um, How did you come to that decision? And are you both 100% in? How
1: spicy you want to get on this? (laughs) Oh,
0: oh, come (laughs) on. Do tell, do tell.
1: Okay. (laughs) Um, I'll start it off briefly, and Ryan can help save my skin. I am (laughs) sick of heartbreakers. I'm sick of more retro clones. We have really good games, and most people's editions can be summarized in three pages of House Rules or less. (laughs) I don't need it. I don't want another book full of skeleton stats, it's just not what I'm into. Most of these games, you can take a fifth edition module, and if you know what you're doing at all as a dungeon master, you can run it for an old school game. It's not hard to do this after you're familiarized with your system of choice. And I think it was Greg Gillespie that once said to me that TSR era games ended up kind of creating this universal gaming language through D20 systems, and I firmly believe that. Anyone that runs a game knows what great sword, you know, 2d6 means or something of that nature. As long as you understand the language being spoken, I want my game to be compatible with yours. Because I'm not gonna choose between my friends, retro clones, or you know, any other games. I don't want to be beholden to anyone else's laws and conditions and contracts when we're speaking the same language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
2: the the way I see it, um, I, I almost think of BX as the internal combustion engine. You see it implemented in so many different ways in so many different fashions all across different books, but at the end of the day, it's still uh, you know, gasoline injected into uh this engine that creates heat, and that's what, you know, moves the I'm not an engineer, so my explanation of the internal combustion engine is—it's uh, the
0: same strokes, just different. Yes, yeah, I, I get what yes. you're saying. It is. Yes.
2: but at this point, saying I'm only going to design for Shadow Dark, or I'm only going to design for Dungeon Crawl Classics, or only for OSE—it's like I'm going to make uh, a a car. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to make this uh, cup holder that's only works in Toyotas you can't use it in a Ford or it's just not going to work (laughs) it doesn't matter the engine is the same you know how to make it work in you know the car of your choice so you know just you know take yes it's a generic cup holder you can put it in whatever cup holder you've got there and uh it'll hold on to your drink as as best as any other cup holder can and so that's that's what I want to do here is create something that anyone working in any D20 based ecosystem can work with without having to essentially bet on who the winner is going to be. Because if one of these games falls through everyone who's kind of, you know, staked their entire future in gaming on this one particular game system, they're now kind of out in the cold. And I don't want to, I don't want to end up that way. Makes sense.
1: Very true. Well-spoken well spoken
0: with the uh, you kind of already answered this it, it sounds like the, the the two worlds that we're playing in here have a very similar vibe to them is there any difference that you've talked about in layout that you're going to do between the pages that are uh Belafalo and the pages that are night haven
1: Yeah. Um, So beyond the basics of probably using different fonts and, you know, very superficial things of that nature, um, we are going for a very heavily illustrated book with nice border artwork and that kind of thing and repeated motifs and themes. And uh, the reality is that as we're both making dark fantasy, there's no doubt about that, but the vibe of Bella Follow and Nighthaven are substantially different. I, I like to think of my world setting as much more mutant hillbillies and cannibals, whilst Nighthaven <laughs> is uh, much more like a, maybe vampires and powdered wigs kind of a thing at a lot of points.
2: Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very much uh, like... 17th century film noir is, is kind of the best way to put it
1: hmm. right well i'm over here playing davy crockett <laughs>
0: <laughs> the uh, the kickstarter starts tomorrow which for people oh. listening this was probably yesterday Woo-hoo-hoo, time machine <laughs> um <laughs> what what are we looking at on the kickstarter i mean i i've got the the, the project saved I'm, I'm ready for it to pop up but um, when it does, what like we got an adventure on the one hand. I know for sure the 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 uh, his heinous harvest, mm-hmm. and then the corpse walk. From what I've heard you guys talk, it sounds like it's an adventure plus a little bit of like setting material.
2: Is that yeah. accurate? Yes. Um, corpse walk is the adventure that goes along with it. Uh, it's something that Keelan alluded to early on in the conversation. I am framing all of Nighthaven within this kind of in-universe book called the Rakes Codex. And the Rakes Codex is, it's almost like, uh, for anyone out there who's played the Sly Cooper games, it's like the Thevius Raccoonus. It's like the, uh, the Assassin's Codex from uh, Assassin's Creed. It's basically compiled knowledge about everything you need to know about Nighthaven. Uh, that's been taken on by several different authors who all use this, uh, the pseudonym of the rake. And so you're, you're going to be reading about particular uh, districts of Nighthaven, which for this particular edition is going to be the gate district. You'll be reading about certain factions, which again, for this uh, release will be the guard and You'll learn a little bit about the city, the history of it. And then there's also going to be an adventure that incorporates all of the knowledge that has been passed on to you uh, in in the setting material about this particular uh, district and, and faction. So in this case, corpse walk is set in the gate district. It involves a, a what's normally a duty of the city guard to hunt down a creature of an undead nature however the city guard is not doing their job in in this particular instance and so it's uh it's on the players one to actually take care of this creature and two to find out why the guard aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing like that it's a devious
0: you know hidden plot within the adventure like this
1: mm-hmm. now i'm, uh, but,
0: I'm sorry
1: Oh, sorry. I just said I'm excited for his oh, okay. adventure coming up.
0: <laughs> um, Follow, it, it, it to me, I mean, I know it's an. Uh, I know that, that his heinous harvest is an adventure. Yes. But Bellafallo sounds to me like sort of a setting, if not just like like a, a brand or or, or thematic uh, stamp upon certain adventures.
1: Yes. You are very, very correct in all things you just said. So it is my world setting. I've been developing it for about 10 years or so officially for a good long while. Um, But it's kind of a conglomeration of my dream world that I have because I'm a very, very vivid dreamer. I have been ever since I was a little kid. And oftentimes it takes me to these crazy dystopian Mm -hmm. weird landscapes and all kinds of crazy stuff happens. Um, And so I was trying to figure out for the longest time what to do with this. And then I was like wait i love fantasy let's just compile it into a world setting and it took a lot more work to get all the pieces moving together in tandem but i have a very well fleshed out setting at this point in time and so with my adventures his heinous harvest being the start um i'm gonna basically go region to region over my years and slowly throughout my life expand and flesh out bellafollow into everything it can be
0: i mean is it kind of going on i mean we talked about um you know b2 being you know one of your favorite adventures of old time mm-hmm. um is it kind of like that where you know it missed Star as a setting world that the that, that, you know all the basic DD was set in wasn't really a thing at first it was just like you got this little glimpse of it here in this adventure yes. you got that little glimpse in the next adventure and finally they kind of pulled back the camera so okay here's the world and this is how it all is interacting
1: I couldn't have stated it better. Yes, exactly so. That is exactly what I'm doing. So I'm starting in what I'm calling the South Heartland Sea. It is uh, this very lowly inhabited region and ma- the majority of follow is themed after my homeland of Southeast Alaska. You know, I'm very into temperate rainforest and that kind of thing big mountains and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and so with this adventure, the entire concept is you are starting peasants, you get hired by a sketchy wizard to go retrieve his stolen dragon egg, but you're not getting a lift there. This kind of invokes that uncaring spirit of the westward expanse and the Oregon Trail. You got to go hex crawl like 200 miles to go to this isolated religious colony that no one really knows about from an enemy nation and uh, go retrieve this egg. And upon reaching there, you realize like this town's in shambles. Half of it's been burned down and it's very inspired by a lot of really dark material. I'm talking like the Manson family and I'm talking Texas Chainsaw Massacre, all (laughs) kinds of really nasty stuff. And the entire adventure kind of revolves around this theme of uh, the local baron became a resentful soul because glory wasn't handed into his lap for him. He never went and conquered and did his thing he was supposed to do. He just sat there being all pitiful and mourning for himself at his wooden throne. And so basically, he fell from the faith of his nation, uh, the god-king Faustek, and uh, tried to achieve a state of immortality, a lichdom, if you will, and made some really nasty deals with some devils that Really like that, and now this is an adventure. It's horrible. It's gnarly. It's it really does require backbone to get through. It's vulgar in some places. It's like I'm calling it the gnarliest adventure of the year, and so it takes real heroes to come and confront a real objective evil. And everything in here is based on my own experiences in the world. A lot of this is you know me getting over my own fears, my own uh, resentments towards life, and all these kind of things, and by incorporating it into a shared mythology around the game table, I can empower real adventurers to come and slay these demons. And so uh, His Heinous Harvest is a, I think altogether, the the core adventure is about 40 room of a dungeon crawl, goes through a manse, and then the buried lair below. Uh, We have the colony of Dripwater, which is a fleshed out village. And then on top of that, I have an additional side dungeon with Dripwater Abbey. And then a, uh, I added in a kind of role-play investigation demon cleansing uh, side quest with Son of a Witch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all of this is hard R18 plus rated. It is a graphic. I'm holding nothing back because I think... Sometimes to see the light best, you gotta go through a dark place, and it's not just good to have something to go towards, but something to run away from. And I think it's important in the fantasy genre to have real evils. You know, there's a lot of ambiguity about villains going on these days. That's not this. This is a (laughs) very evil. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. This is a a cult that will do horrible things to you in the streets. You know, it is a wild ride. Sorry for rambling in there. Oh, Get no, me no, all it's excited.
0: Great, uh, captivating. Uh, it, what I wish is, I wish we had a video co- podcast where you could share some of the illustrations. Cause I'll tell you, I mean, um, not only are some of the villains that you've shown illustrations of uh, just fantastic, but the, um, the map for this with the, with mm. the, the manor in the center. Mm-hmm. You like uh, that. I don't know when you leaked that. I want to say that I saw that maybe, Maybe as early as like September, October. When, Maybe. when was that done? Because that
1: uh I had it finished a while ago. I don't know if I showed it publicly I, I until like this Facebook, last week. I swear week. To you and I looked at it, and I didn't know what it
0: was from or what it was. But it it like you're there. I mean, you don't you you thank you. Do, you don't have to put a word on the page. You look at that map and you're like, Oh man, mm-hmm. this this place is foreboding looking. <laughs> I and it's appreciate it. So well done, so well detailed uh, for being that that three-quarter perspective. Um yeah. I I I, I... I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of maps. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And for that alone. I mean, if,
1: if that was the only thing that was, you know, part of this project. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in, man. I really yeah. appreciate it. A funny thing about those maps, actually, because I have the interior presented and then I have the kind of overland area like you were just talking about, is uh, that's actually a fantasy reimagining of my childhood home. Oh, that really? is the house I grew up in on top of the hill. And yeah, kind of I, I talked with my parents about it. It's not some weird angsty thing or anything of that nature. <laughs> It's just write what you know, you know. When mm-hmm. I was a little kid, I was a very scared little boy, and I came up with all these kooky nightmares that were happening around that place. So a lot of this adventure is a callback to childhood. <laughs> nice. Not not in the horror part of it, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I had a good okay, life. We'll do,
0: not, uh, my, uncle,
2: right?
1: um, my dad kept a lot of people in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Now wh- <laughs> everybody's got to have a hobby. Right. One
2: of the, one of the things I, I don't want to let this pass us by. One of the things that um, that Keelan and I had to discuss when we were forming this partnership was creative freedom, and I I I think it's safe to say that Keelan's biggest hesitation in partnering with anyone was is would he be able to say what he wanted to say mm-hmm. with his adventures, and I. Have to say that, having seen all of um, his heinous harvest at this point, yes, it's dark. It's it's edgy. It's it's uh, gruesome and brutal in places. But the thing about the way that Keelan approaches that brutality is it's pointed. It's poignant. So
1: you say it's like the Bible. Yes. <laughs> it- <laughs> i want to make people afraid of demons Mm -hmm. that's kind of the truth of it (laughs) it it really is
2: you see so much stuff that's edgy for its own sake out there right now just Mm -hmm. because i guess people get a kick out of it but what what you've done masterfully keelan is present evil in its kind of worst darkest form and also portrayed it as something to be conquered and something to be overcome and and risen above, which as long as like, that's your goal, you you can put whatever you want in a book and I'll, I'll be for it because at that point you're not reveling in the grotesque and the macabre and the, the horrific, you are encouraging people to push beyond that ugliness and find something better
1: at the end of the tunnel. You melt my soul with that. Thank you. Genuinely, Ryan. I appreciate that. That is that is the goal. Thank you. Kind so, of almost blushing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Inside baseball, folks, I, I I preempted the the program making sure this was going to be okay to ask, because it just it 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 would be a weird situation for me to be in. I, I am an art junkie when it comes to books. I love buying art for them, but um it, it's a dangerous thing as a publisher. To, to get too art heavy and, and have all your, your money invested in that and then not ever recoup it, uh, you know, as a small publisher, it's just, it can be a, a very dangerous thing. Um, which is why a lot of people just use stock art or whatever. So here, um, you know, Ryan's sitting here partnered, uh, with Keelan, you know, it's like, you know, he's been given the keys to the, the candy cabinet here. Um, how do you balance that? How do you be like, you know, how do you refrain from being like, Oh, you know, Keelan, I want this and this and this and that. And, uh, are there any restraints at all or how are you working that out? So
2: from my point of view, the the biggest thing for me is, and, and we actually had to discover this as part of our partnership at the end of the day, I am not yet a professional creator. I have a day job, um, so I can do a lot of things in my free time for free to, to get this project off the ground. Art is Keelan's job. That is how Keelan provides for his family. And so one of the things that we had to discuss and kind of grapple with each other on was making sure that I am not making demands of him that will take away from his ability to provide for his family. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's kind of where the balance comes in. Yes. Tech, like quote, unquote, I can get art for free with heavy air (laughs) quotes, or at least pay for it later uh, using Kickstarter funds. But at the end of the day, he's got to provide for his family doing the the trade that he is pursuing and so i have to respect that and that's kind of where that that balance has to come in and and that was a a hard lesson for me to learn because it was it, it was one of the few times where i felt like i had tripped over a boundary that i had forgotten was there or didn't know was there and so that's something that i've had to be mindful of as we pursue this so it sounds like have you guys
0: talked to it, it let me rephrase this it sounds like you guys may have talked about doing like a back-end thing where like you know he provides the art and then out of the kickstarter so much is paid back for the the art for your portion is, is that kind of
1: did i read that right something of that nature yeah <clears throat> that's really oh, I mean, nice
0: i mean you know there's a lot of people out there that'll approach artists and be like hey do this art for me and then when i get the money i'll pay you and, and and you know it could be a big gamble but with you both kind of you know putting your irons in the fire together i mean at least at least you you know both know honestly you know what what money came in and and, and how to break it up in a, in a fair fashion and all that mm-hmm. that's pretty cool
1: You know, and that was something I had to be very vigilant of early on is, you know, a lot of people would love to just be teamed up with an artist because, you know, it keys to the candy shop, as you said, it is a very easy thing to underestimate the amount of time and effort that goes into the creation of even just a simple piece sometimes. Um, But with that, Ryan has been incredibly respectful throughout this. He's never stepped on toes. There was a a mutual moment of realization. It was around Christmas time where I kind of sat down and was like, wait a minute, my own pet project of Bella follow that I'm not going to be making any money on anytime soon that's taking up a lot of time and that's what i use for drawing is that amount of time and i could be doing commissions i i just financially can't handle to unpaid projects let's come up with a good solution together and figure out a way to navigate this because the reality is i've been looking for a a partner for lack of a better terms for a long time kind of not really searching around but someone i could grow with i've always loved the idea of being in a band if that makes sense Mm. um and with that i've been looking for the right people not just anyone and i wouldn't be willing to do this if i didn't see night haven being something that could be viable in the market i think it's a really interesting setting he's put in his due diligence to learn the system and really think a lot of this through and so with that i am kind of uh in a sense where we're banking on this together is you know um i am ready to be out a little bit of money and that's fine because i believe in the end goal of where we're going with this this is uh we're playing a long game here the one module we're producing right now is exciting nothing excites me more we've been waiting for this for months but i'm also like on a 10-year plan realistically (laughs) (laughs) and so with that it's just kind of navigating in a I think honesty in communication and directness has gone a long way in building our relationship with how are we even going to do this? Because like he knows I'm broke. That's just the reality. I'm not trying to <laughs> sugarcoat that. You got that I when have heard artist. I just made it to the right? point. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. I finally have a little bit of a credibility to my caller, but uh, I still have no money in my pocket. So <laughs> we're going to have to figure it out. Let's just be realistic. But we have two long-term projects that I want to see thrive, and so – between me and the muses, I'll make it so. And I'm I'm ready to load up these books with artwork. I know you were talking about an art budget. I'm not worried about that. I have a time budget. That's mm-hmm. the hard thing is there's nothing I'd rather do than have an extra 20 hours in each day to draw this. Um, <laughs> You know, I've been a machine this last week. I'm going on like four hours of sleep every day and then just up to the grind, you know, get my good workouts and runs in and all that kind of stuff and back to it. It is the Sisyphus cycle, but it's what I live for. This is what I've wanted throughout my entire life. And so as much as I do need to get paid, this isn't about money, not in the slightest.
0: One of the things I've loved about hearing you guys talk on other programs in, in here tonight is I mean, you guys have that like really um, uh, like like the bond of, of partnership that that needs to exist for for something to work. Where you guys are each other's cheerleader. You know, it's not like oh, and he's doing this. He'll tell you about that. You know, you're both you know waist deep in each other's project. You know, cheering it on, talking about all the good things, about how excited you are to to have these these two. Uh, properties kind of you know come out of the bullpen together um that's just amazing that's just awesome mm-hmm.
1: it is. it's uh i'm i'm i think we're both willing to work hard to see the kind of material that we are to make the material we want to see in the world you know what i mean and i for a long time i've been at fear of fantasy as a genre being neutered and sanitized, let's call it. And so let's not do that, Ryan. (laughs) Yep.
2: Do you guys have
0: a definite scope for how big the project's going to be for this Kickstarter? Like how many pages?
2: I think we're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 pages, um, maybe a little bit more, but probably not much more than that
0: are you looking at a perfect bound product uh, product or are you looking at
2: doing like a hard bound or maybe offering both or for, uh, for this project, it'll be a perfect bound. Uh, We've got two options there. We're we're doing a print on demand version through drive through and that'll help, you know, anyone who is an international backer uh, you'll have that options that you can have a physical book Um, for us backers. And that kind of a, a, more premium price we are doing a special edition uh wraparound soft cover that'll be perfect bound um we're doing a very limited run of those so it'll be kickstarter backers a little bit of uh you know some some overage that we'll hold on to to uh you know bring with us to conventions but you know we're we're doing this very limited quantity uh special edition cover for this campaign
1: right and i'd say that that is our primary product we're really trying to put out here we're doing a limited print run 250 of these are going to be made in existence and then never again we're not going to reprint it with the special cool cover um i'm even thinking about maybe even adding in a couple little uh, limited edition comic strips or something like that <laughs> in of our our two characters wonky and the bonehead interacting as kind of a third metaverse thing or whatever you want to call it um <laughs> But yeah, so we're, we're going to have 250 of these. We're offering them at a reasonable price on the Kickstarter. And then after that, you know, print-on-demand goes into the wild. Whatever happens with PDFs happens. But this is really about that limited edition collector's book because it's going to be killer.
0: <laughs> the uh, Some of the artwork I've seen has been in color, but are you doing color interiors or is that going to be put into black and white or black and white yep. yeah
1: but, uh, it's just easy to quickly get things colored into a kind of you know single tone pattern or whatever yeah. you know um just for presentation so yeah black and white interior hopefully lots of gray scale along with it lots of ink swirls and splotches <laughs> and that kind of thing
0: how uh how are you uh, planning to present the two adventures is it just going to be kind of like a chapter setup or do you got any interesting ideas for how you you know like some people do the thing where you flip the book over and turn it upside down and now you're reading the other story or whatever i mean
2: any that's ideas in the
1: future that? oh yeah <laughs>
2: we, we thought about doing that the the only the only issue that i that kind of comes up with with the the flip style is anyone who buys that pdf we'll then have to contend with, uh, you know, how do I turn this thing around now? Yeah, I, I got into
0: a project, uh, the, the uh, Lost Citadel project, where mm, the so physical good. version was multiple books. Uh, so then it was, it was like making a whole nother book when it came to the PDF because I had to repurpose everything and readjust everything and lay it out. So I can, I can feel you on that. that. That would be a nightmare to do.
1: Though that project you were just talking about did come out awesome. I'm planning on running that for my adventures pretty soon here, actually. I'm kind of trying to shepherd them over into that region.
0: <laughs> I, I will say that it, it's got some legs on it. Like if the characters get interested and they, they decide to do things, you could be there for months. So, good. So good luck. <laughs> uh, tell me anything that... Uh, anything that you know people are going to be excited about aside from, I mean, obviously the, this, you know, the adventures you you've talked about are, are just astounding and interesting in and of, of themselves. But I also know that you're two creative dudes and, and you've probably got some things, uh, you know, in your back pocket there that are going to be in the adventures or things, things you're going to sprinkle within the book, uh, that, that are going to, you know, take it to that 110%. Anything you want to talk about, anything you want to reveal that's, uh, it's icing on the cake kind of stuff monster situations uh, I have
1: the best D100 roll chart of hallucinations ever published in an RPG book most are horrible they're not good (laughs) this is the real deal I got the pure drop for you best D100 hallucination table you'll ever see (laughs) is is that
0: something the characters are likely to encounter then very much
1: so this is definitely a a delirium fever dream of an adventure module one of the core plot points in it is actually Oh, uh, sorry. I want to talk about Giggle Tar for a second. This will get people <laughs> harped. Uh, yeah, this, this is uh, kind of the, let's call it the gas in the tank of this adventure. is So uh, the evil Baron has been collecting people and been bringing them down to his buried man below, where uh, people are fed this horrible liquid called Giggletar Giggle Tar that is endlessly cycled through them and collects down in a pool down below. And there's all these crucified people in a giant chamber. And so they're Constantly being fed their own sludge and being kept alive through necromantic means. But the entire thing is filled with worms. They're the worms of old Sogan, this big bad guy of the adventure, which he uses to psychically communicate with all the people that have been ingesting it. So the entire village is just addicted to this horrible uh chaos infused narcotic parasitic drug called the giggle tar and so if you get in contact with that uh the evil witches like cough it up on people like projectile vomiting exorcist style um so yeah there's plenty of opportunities to uh be tripping out through this adventure and i have a, a good system on how that kind of uh plays out as far as that is some wicked
0: stuff it's very good
1: it's as bad as you get (laughs) all right ryan you gotta top him what
0: do
2: you got so there's there's kind of three main goals with uh night haven overall that begin to play out in this kind of first volume uh the first is i want to realign the way that people look at cities in role-playing games a city is not just a place where you can go to buy supplies and rest. A city in and of itself can be an adventuring environment and even a dungeon if you frame things correctly around your, your adventures within the city walls. The, the second thing is I want to prove to people that, yes, you can have an effective fantasy world that also incorporates black powder weapons. Um, <laughs> a lot of people see those two things and immediately just run away in, in anger and fear because the second you introduce guns, it's almost like you've killed their fantasy. But I want to show people that that's not an immediate death sentence for fantasy. The introduction of black powder can enhance the fantastic elements.
0: I'm going to take us down a side street for just a second. So okay. About the time I got into uh, role-playing games, maybe about a year after is when Second Edition came out, and then the Second Edition Handbook, among the just your common weapons, and I'm probably going to butcher the name, uh, but there was a weapon called an aquabus uh, or Acubus. or archibus. I, what is it? Mm-hmm. An archibus. Archibus. Okay. Anyhow, black powder weapon, right? It's horrible stats. Like, I mean, you would never pick this weapon because it was like i can't remember like five rounds to reload it and it yeah. had like a chance to go off and hurt you and all this <laughs> jazz it was only like d10 you know but uh, oh my goodness there was nothing more devices um, amongst the people i played with than that you know it would always be you can have any any weapon you want except for the a <laughs> fantasy game you know it's like whatever but uh But you're right. I mean, you know, there's such a a great space there, uh, you know, in in my own mind. And I know that, you know, there's some um, there's some contention with, uh, you know, the whole genocide and this and that. But like the the era of the conquistadors and the idea of roaming around in this heavy armor
1: through the jungle with your powder weapons. uh, That's fascinating to me. Same. It is one of my favorite periods in history to learn about. (laughs)
2: Yeah, and you can even you can see entire wars being fought that way when you look at something like uh, the English Civil War or any of the wars going on kind of in the pre-Westphalian Europe uh, era. Basically, the the entire Holy Roman Empire versus the Protestants that you see play out in Europe in the 17th century is this fusion of heavy armor and melee weapons with early black powder that's being deployed at a battlefield level so that there, there's lots of room to play with still having your heavy armor and your swords and your uh your pole arms but also having muskets and pistols and things like that
0: nice. but the um, uh... within the portrayal of, of uh nighthaven do you cheat the musket and make it a little more friendly to use or do you or or are you real like staunch and oh no you know it does have you know chances to misfire and it takes a while to load and where did you wind up landing on that so
2: it it is um it's a weapon that can be very beneficial to you it you know it does damage um but it, it does have a long reload time and uh, there, There is a chance of misfire. I created a whole misfire table. I also, w- one of the things that I wanted to do with my black powder rules was kind of add in some consequences for if you're firing this thing in an enclosed space.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and because
2: I ran an adventure. You at say? Last, what huh? <laughs> I, I ran an adventure last year's North Texas, and I hadn't developed these rules yet uh, for black powder. And the adventure was in a sewer and someone fired off a musket and like basically nothing happened uh, as far as consequences of firing a musket in the sewer. And the players were like, shouldn't everyone be deafened now by (laughs) me firing a musket within five feet of them in this little uh, (laughs) stone chamber. And so I was like, you know what you, you have a point. Uh, And so I, it took a lot of, uh, I, I made a lot of effort to make that make sense and, and mm-hmm. make it so that it's not punitive, but it, it very much like makes sense within the rules of, yeah, you, you might have to make a save if someone fires this thing in an enclosed space right next to your ear.
0: In corpse walk specifically um, is can you can you tell us any details about how black powder weapons affect the
2: undead? So. It, I, I kind of use like zombie rules when it comes to the undead, you, you have to like take out their brain uh, to to keep them from coming back. They don't. It, black powder doesn't have a direct effect on the undead the way that like, you know, holy water or something like that would. Mm-hmm. Um, however. There, there is going to be an aspect of there's a lot of flying creatures that you have to deal with in Corpse Walk. Um, Interesting. So, black powder and muskets will definitely uh, be an advantage in dealing with, with something that flies. All right. Um, the, starts Tuesday the 27th although there there running? is there's one more thing I wanted to, yes, to yes. M- mention about um, Night Haven in general. And, and this is for everyone out there who is a, a fan of dragons. One of the key tenets of Night Haven is I wanted to make dragons cool. I wanted to make them different and I wanted to make them terrifying. The seeds of what I am doing with dragons are planted in this adventure, and those of you who like your dragons, I think you're going to like what I'm working
1: on. Agreed. Guts and Glory is a very dragon-friendly company.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you guys are launching Tuesday the 27th. How long of a campaign did you
2: decide on? Uh, We are looking at 30 days at this point, I believe. Okay.
1: Yeah, we're going to go the full 30. We did have some talk about scrunching it down to about 21. But after reevaluation, we're just going to go the full 30.
0: I I don't I keep playing around with, you know, different lengths of campaigns and none of them make me any more happy than the other one. It just, you know, I I think a lot of it has to do with like how long you feel like it's going to take to get uh, to get the reach of your audience that you're trying to attract and Mm -hmm. um, how well you can kind of Walt yourself against like oh we lost a person today you know oh well you know we'll gain two more tomorrow let's just keep going because <laughs> that's about the thing you know with longer campaigns you almost always have a little bit of attrition there in the middle where somebody signed up for it and then decided i oh, don't know i'm not going to make rent this month i can't can't mm-hmm. stay in yeah. um and as long as you can deal with that and realize it's nothing personal it doesn't mean anything about how good your your product looks and all that then
1: that's fair such is the way of life <laughs> Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm just excited for this. So we're coming up so soon, you know, we're within that 24 hour mark of going live. Uh, to answer your are. question, though, no stretch goals. We're just uh, the best possible product we can. We want to do one thing really nice, really mm-hmm. right. When we come back for volume two, oh boy, we're going to be loading <laughs> up. Like, don't don't get me wrong. We have big plans on merchandising and all kinds of crazy cool stuff. But uh, as of right now, nope, let's just make a good product. <laughs>
0: (laughs) Keep it simple. That's, that's a good thing. Right, exactly. We have two fairly large
1: adventures. I don't think we really need much more than that. And then, you know, there's just that compounding risk of failure with the more things you add into it. So Mm -hmm. let's have one good book, limit the print run and call it, call it a victory. So it sounds like there's
0: at least two, maybe three reward tiers. It sounds like you've got the, the, the special edition, you've got the regular print, probably a PDF version.
1: Yep. Yep. Exactly so. And then uh, the collector's edition, as well as a separate tier entirely, is going to include, I forgot to mention this earlier, Um, since, you know, I'm going to be the owner of most of this art here. Uh, let's put it up for very nice. available, a very affordable stock artwork, so about 90% of all of the images used you know, made by real humans <laughs> going to be available at a super good price for people I'm thinking, I think it's like 10-15 bucks or something like that if you want it nice. individually and this is going to be over 30 illustrations, bunch of maps, all kinds of goodies um, but if you just back for the actual book, one of the 250 limited copies at uh, $30 a pop, it's just going to include this stock artwork you get that you get the pdf as well we want to hook people up for supporting us mm-hmm. sweet
0: yeah so on the on the artwork is that like a kind of a just a roulette wheel? You you get something from the book or is it like a specific like you see what art is there and you say oh i want that one
1: No, no, no. You get the entire bundle. You're going to be getting over 30, 40 images, uh, maybe even up to the 50s. I don't really know. We don't have an exact number. But you are going to be getting a uh, digital file containing every single not every single there's a couple exclusives like i'm keeping my cover for myself don't touch it (laughs) get away um that kind of a thing but ever i'm 90 95 of it is going to be a download for you to you know click on and you're going to have a huge list of everything made for the book and you can use them in your own projects do whatever make your own money and help support the community because a lot of people don't have the opportunity like ryan was talking about earlier to work with an artist and in the age of ai whether you're for it or against it you know a lot of people do value human-made goods and so i want to fill a need
0: well that that'll make it extremely easy for people that want to put together like a, a virtual tabletop or whatever to play this where they could you know drop you know images for character icons or you know oh great you know, idea this i, I didn't even think about that's that. awesome I guess okay. I, I I'm sorry about the way I asked it. I I a little bit of confusion. I was I was thinking you were saying that uh at certain levels you you get a piece of original art like you know physical product. Uh, my
1: uh, bad. Sorry, I no, didn't it's not explain your bad, well. It's my <laughs> misinterpretation. So no one thing we did talk about earlier. Ryan and I and uh, I went over it with Ben Barsh to see what he thought on this idea. Is uh we're gonna have what we're calling. It... I don't know if we're actually calling it, but uh, the Big Daddy tier level. So if you want to <laughs> go up and pledge us big money, uh, we're going to have a limited amount of slots where you can actually send in photos of yourself and be drawn into the book. as nice. maybe one of the crazy cultist villagers or, you know, a wanted poster <laughs> in Haven. You know, if you want to be in the book and really support us, get drawn into it why not? I'm going to be making the art anyway.
0: <laughs> I've done that with a few of my campaigns and they always sell out. People really, really enjoy being able to put, you know, a friend or family member themselves into the product. Oh, uh, awesome. A, that should be a good one for you guys.
1: Heck yeah. That's good to know it works. Cause I just randomly thought about it in the shower after like a five mile run earlier. Like, wait a minute, this <laughs> is affordable for me to do. I can offer something.
0: <laughs> the, um, few more questions because I know I, you yeah. know I told you guys this would be really fast and now I'm sitting here, you know going on and on without <laughs> I know about. Yeah. the um, the banner for the Kickstarter has kind of like a video game loading screen sort of look to it. Um, is that related to the cover you guys have decided on or is that just a fun way to kind of combine these two things?
1: Just a fun way to combine. Um, I the, I don't watch a lot of TV, and I had recently watched Aliens and The Thing, mm-hmm. and so I was inspired by all the little screens that you see throughout those films, and I was like, perfect. <laughs> nice. uh, no, it's not indicative of our covers beyond the fact that the I'll say, we're not revealing our special edition, the actual printed version's cover yet, um, but it will be featuring both of our characters, Wonky and the Bonehead, interacting <laughs> in a cool way. So don't worry, I got big plans for that, and it's going to be a full wraparound, huge art piece. Yeah, going nice. to be good. All
0: right. Anything else that we uh, we need to cover, let people know about? No, I think that's it.
1: No. Yeah. I think we've got a lot done here. Heck yeah. Thank you for having us on.
0: Oh, thank you guys. And, and, you know, listeners, I don't know what it'll sound like after I get it edited, but if it sounds like I'm half out of my mind, I kind of am. I've just been, been through a a rough weekend of, of hard work and and, uh, almost totally missed this uh, interview altogether, but thankfully these guys are are real chill and and were able to jump on a little bit later than what we were supposed to be on and and got it done. So thank you guys so much, man. Thank you.
1: Guts and glory coming soon. And thank you once again, Mr. Lou, you're the coolest cat in town. I appreciate <laughs> yeah, you having us. I oh, I think so.
2: <laughs> I think so too.
0: All right. All right. Get on that Kickstarter folks, check it out. It'll be out there while you're listening to this. Um, you know, I, I, I can vouch for these guys, man, the, 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 work they do, the ideas they have their, their commitment to this hobby and, and to the people in the hobby, uh, goes beyond, uh, Beyond reproach. I mean, it's uh, it's it's amazing to to have you guys on and to see this come together. And, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing not only this but but all the stuff that's in your guys's future here. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Storms be brewing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having us back on here, Lou. Anytime. You have been listening to this
0: old dungeon. Copyright 2024. The opinions expressed by the hosts are simply that, opinions meant for entertainment value. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to write into the program, please do so at thisoldungeon at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.